Well, welcome. We are really glad that you are here tonight, really excited uh, that we get to kick off this year together. I'm super grateful and super excited that I get to be here and start this journey with you this school year that you have. Um, so I'd love to know, just right off the bat, very first thing, how many of you like new things? Just so hands if you like new things. Like, goodwill sounds like death to you. You're like, I'm not getting, I need new things. Okay. So whether you raise your hand or not, here's what I know is true. Is that this season of life that you are in is going to bring a lot of new things for you. There's a lot of new beginnings. It's the start to a new school year. For some of you, it's the start to a new, a new chapter, a new season, because you're in college now. For some of you, you're like, I'm not in college anymore. I've never taken another class in my entire life. And to you, we say, you win. Congratulations, right? We know that in this season, you're going to experience a lot of new things and a lot of new experiences. And so we're really glad that you decided to begin your year here at TLR with us. So I thought I would tell you about a new experience that I had this month, six years ago. This month, six years ago, I had a brand new experience, something I never really planned on, something I never thought would happen. It was a new experience for me, is that I was homeless. I just want to see what you say to that, because I really actually was. Yeah, but um, I think maybe I should give you some context, because you're like so confused right now. So six years ago, my family and I decided to move from Winder, Georgia, on the other side of the city, other side of Atlanta, all the way over here to Woodstock. And I joined Woodstock City six years ago on the staff. Uh, the, for the first two years, I joined as the Upstreet Director, which is our elementary ministry, all of our elementary kids that hang out in there. So I led Upstreet the first two years. Then the next four years, I led Inside Out, which is where all of our high school students hang out. And then last spring, moved over here to TLR. But when we first moved over here six years ago, we still lived in Winder. And um, let me tell you, if you're not really curious or not really sure where Winder is, it's not close at all. No, Winder to Woodstock is death, especially in the mornings. It's an hour and a half without traffic. I would have to leave at 6.15 in the morning to get here before 9.30. I'm not playing around. And it was not fun. So we made the decision we were going to move here to Woodstock City. And we knew that this was going to be a brand new thing. And that eventually we'd need to move here. We just didn't know the timing. We didn't know how to do it or when to do it, and we had just had our third kid. And so it was kind of this chaos of a season where I was homeless because we decided to sell our house. Now, that sounds like something you naturally do when you want to move, but there was a problem. The problem is that we didn't own a house yet. Yeah, um, and I had mouths to feed and people to take care of. And so we are still driving from Winder to Woodstock, but now we don't have a home. We put everything in a storage unit, and there was this moment in my life six years ago when my wife and I sat down together and we made what felt like the bravest, most courageous, most insane, most terrible decision we've ever made in our entire life because we decided at that moment, all right, we're moving in with my parents. Anyone still live with their parents? Okay, I'm glad you're excited because when you got a family and three little kids, seven people in a three-bed, tiny little ranch house, is not the definition of comfortable. I'm just saying real quick. Um, a newborn, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and then us. Like, thanks, Mom, I've already moved out. I don't need you to tell me how to do laundry anymore. I've got children I take care of. Thanks a lot. I don't need you to cook me meals. Actually, yeah, you can cook me all the meals you want. Thanks, Mom. It was um, very difficult. It was an exhausting season. It was so disorienting. It was so difficult because I felt tired the whole time. Because my parents' house was still in Winder. It was great. So I'm still driving an hour and a half, but I'm like, don't even have my own place to go to. Like, you know, 
How many of y'all moved in in the last three weeks to somewhere new? Show of hands. Right, you know like once you finally get settled, you get to your place, you got your things in order, like you can walk in your room, whether it's a dorm room you share with a stranger that you didn't even know three weeks ago, or if it's with four of your best friends in a house that you're gonna live in for the rest of your life if you could because it's the greatest thing ever. Once you get your room together, you know there's that first moment when you're like, it's comfortable. Yeah, I didn't have that for six months. Didn't exist because I had a baby sleeping in between me and my wife. Great for intimacy. So, so wonderful for our marriage in that season. And then I got our other two kids in a room across the hall from us, strategically positioned so that if they scream in the middle of the night, my parents can't hear them. I can. But then I got to wake up at 530 every day so I can drive an hour and a half to two hours to Woodstock to work a job where I knew nothing I knew no one at Woodstock City. I knew nothing this side of the city. Like 85 North was my life. If y'all are used to 75, it's still strange to me. All I knew was over there. My friends were over there. I went to high school over there. My family was over there. My house was over there. And then we decided to get rid of all of it. It was like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go on an adventure. And we're gonna be homeless. And it was fascinating. But in that season, six years ago, I learned something about myself That was super important. It's something in that season that my wife and I still bring up. It's something we still talk about. It's something that has changed my life once I realized this. And the realization I had in that season is something that I think is also true for you. It's something I want you to understand. It's something I need you to grasp. Because see, in that season, what I told you at the beginning was this, is that I was was homeless. I said I was homeless, and y'all were kind of like, excuse me? Yeah, but I don't know that this is actually the accurate way to say it. Because what I realized in that season is while I may not have had a house anymore and I may have left all of my comfort and I may have left my family, I may have left my friends, I didn't feel like I had my place. All of my stuff is in a storage unit and I'm in the car four hours a day listening to so many podcasts. If you don't listen on 1.8 speed, you're not an animal like me and I had to because I had so much time in the car. I would breeze through every series possible in a week. I felt so disoriented, and it felt like in this moment, I don't have my place. But I realized in that season that I can't say I'm actually homeless because when I look back, I wasn't lonely. I wasn't isolated. There wasn't a part of my life that felt depressing or or taken out because I realized in that season that even though I was homeless, I still had a home. Because for me in that season, I realized that my wife and my kids were my home. It didn't matter whether or not we had a house, I still had a home because I had them. And now, many of you probably don't have a spouse, you don't have a husband or a wife, and most of you probably don't have kids, so you don't know the experience that I had six years ago, but you know what it's like to have people around you. You know what it's like to feel comfortable in the community of friends, of loved ones. And so I don't know that I could actually say I was homeless. I think a more accurate way to say what I was was I was houseless. I was houseless. And then we bought a house, we moved here, and it was incredible. But what we realized is this, is that a house is your place. A house is your place. It's where your stuff is. It's the physical building that you walk into, where you lay your head, where you sleep. But it's still just a place. But a home is your people. A house is your place, but a home is your people. And this truth that I learned six years ago is so crucially important for you in this season of life. And I believe that for the living room, for TLR, it is so overwhelmingly important for you to understand. 
Because whenever you come here, if you come here just because of this building, you're coming here for a place. And if you come here just because we gather on Wednesdays and there's this fun event that happens, you're still just coming for something that can make your Wednesdays better. But we want and we hope that TLR doesn't just make your Wednesdays better, it makes all of your days better. Because at the end of the day, what we know is that this can become your home away from home. How many of you currently don't live at home? Show your hand, raise your hand. It's a lot of you. But here's what I know is true for every one of you. Whether you live at home currently or not, this season of life that you are in is the first time in your life where you have to figure out your view of yourself in the world and in your family in a completely different way. Your schedule is no longer regimented for you. You have freedom. You get to choose what responsibilities you have. You get to do with your life what you want to do with your life. And so even if you're still living at home, there's this disorienting factor of I'm no longer in high school, I'm no longer a kid, now I'm an adult who is so broke and has no money, I love TLR because they have free dinner, right? I know that's how I got half y'all in this room tonight. It's okay, it's Chick-fil-A, there's Jesus in it, it works, right? I know that this season of life that you're in can be very disorienting. But because of that, that's why we created this place. It's because we believe that this can become a home away from home because your home is your people. It's not just the building. It's not just Wednesday nights. It's so far beyond that. Really, at the end of the day, what we're able to experience when we come here is church. And now, I know that as I say that word and we talk about the reality of that, there are probably some of you in this room who the moment I talk about church probably have a little bit of like, I know, like I'm giving you one more chance, Matt. I gave you one more chance and I'm here tonight. Like I'm here for TLR, but I'm not here for church. Like I'm not going Sunday mornings. I'm not waking up and dressing up and doing that whole thing. I know that for some of you, that's probably the, the connotation that you have of that word. And for some of you, you have that connotation. You have that association. You have those emotions because of something that's happened in your life. Because at some point in your life, you had an experience with church. And that experience with church garnered some emotions within you that you didn't want anymore, that you didn't like because you bumped up against something at the church that was awful, that was offensive. You bumped up against something at church that maybe for some of you was abusive. And maybe your experience with church has been so taken captive to where now you you hear about this idea of finding your home at a church and you're like, I don't know that I can buy into that. And my issue with that continuing to be your thought, and the thing that's so awful about that, is that you, you came up against a messy person who messed up. You came up against someone at church or something about the church that just wasn't right and it didn't sit well with you. But if that's the only experience of church we ever have, the problem with that is that it makes you completely miss the point of church. Because the point of church is a relationship with Jesus. If you want to know like the definition of even when church started, church really is all about, it's all about a relationship. That's all it is. It's about a relationship with this person named Jesus, the person that so many of y'all just raised your hands and started jumping up and down and screaming your lungs out, worshiping him, saying his name about how great he actually is. But there's some of you in the room who, while we're doing that, you're like, taking it in and maybe you're skeptical and maybe like, I'm not singing because this is weird. Why are they raising their hands? She didn't even wear deodorant. Like 
There's so many moments, right, when you can get caught off guard. And all of those moments, all that hesitation, all that, all that doubt about whether or not you can lean in and you can actually make this your home away from home, I think so much of it is built not just from our experiences, but it's also built from our culture. Because the culture around us looks at church and it says that it's not really a relationship. Church really is more about, church really is more about religion. Right, it's about a list of do's and don'ts. It's the things that you do and the things that you don't do. And you gotta show up, and if you don't show up, you messed up, right? And oh, oh, and don't worry, you can't show up if you messed up the night before. And then remember that thing you did last week? Yeah, don't go to church, because man, you will be judged. Or maybe some of you think church is full of the H word, hypocrites. There's so many H words you can name, that's just the one I thought of, right? There's so many things about our church experience that can cause us to be hesitant. Because ultimately our culture around us and everything around us tells us that a church is a building, that a church is a thing you go to on a Sunday, that a church is something that you can only experience whenever it's open. And so for so many people, COVID killed their church experience. Because now we're quarantined, the doors are closed. Well, what do I, what do, I do now? Because they didn't see church as a relationship, they saw it as a religion. But let me tell you very clearly, church is about a relationship. It is not about a religion. Church is about a relationship. It is not about a religion. And the reason why church is about a relationship is because of how it started. So I think what we should do over the next few moments is I wanna show you how church actually started and what church actually is supposed to be. If you're like, I did not sign up for this, I think this can change your life. I think when you understand what church is, what it's supposed to be like, and what we desire for it to be, here at TLR, I think it's something that can change your life. Because church started out of a relationship. That's why it's all about relationship. It started out of a relationship. Jesus and the people that followed him. And there were 12 of those people that followed him that were his best friends. They gave their life to follow him, to hang out with him, to do ministry with him, to walk around with him, to do everything next to him. And there was one guy in particular named Peter who had such a relationship with Jesus where Jesus would look at him and say, hey, Peter, guess what? I'm gonna build a church. I'm gonna build a gathering, a group of people who come together to learn how to follow the things that I'm saying and follow the model of life of how I'm teaching. And Peter, guess what? I'm gonna build my church on you. You're gonna be the one who launches it, who starts it. And now first, I think you should know something about Peter. Because automatically, the fact that Peter is the one that Jesus chose to start the church should tell you a lot about this place and about the fact that you can belong here. Because Peter is, how can you say this, such a screw up. Like, watch, how many of you have ever lied before? Woo, we're getting, we're just jumping right off the deep end. Okay, now if you didn't raise your hand, raise your hand because you just lied, right? Like, no. All of us have lied before. Guess who else lied? Peter. How many of you have ever been angry before? Show of hands. I was like, yeah, at him, yesterday. Like, listen, I want your relationship to last. Don't hit him, okay? No, we've, we've all been angry before. So was Peter. How many of you ever had doubts about something that you believe about God or about faith or about religion or about anything supernatural? Raise your hand. Ever had a question? Yeah, exactly. So did Peter. See, Peter was in so many ways, in so many stories, such a screw up. He messed up 
all the time. Like Peter failed in his faith over and over and over again. And yet Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you're the one. You're my guy. Because at the end of the day, Peter's story shows something that's true about all of our stories. And it shows something that's true about how God views us and what he invites us into. Because God doesn't choose perfect people. He chooses broken people, just like Peter. And he chose Peter to begin his church. So the story of Jesus happens while he's here on earth. And then Jesus dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead three days later. And then he walks around and appears and hangs out and eats food with all these people who get to see him and meet him around this area where he was. And then after he ascends back to heaven, we get this account of the start of church, the start of the church, the first church, the church that Jesus established. And it happens in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter two, we start to see Peter telling everybody what church is actually all about. And so I want us to, to peek into this conversation that Peter had with people around him, people who he knew, people who were sometimes against him, but people who were his family and his friends and his neighbors, the people that he would have shared life with. And so in Acts chapter two, we're gonna pick up as Peter starts to talk to all these people about what happened, who Jesus is, why we're doing this, and what church actually should be. So y'all take a look at this. It says, fellow Israelites, he's talking to everyone just like him, right? Fellow Israelites, I want you to listen carefully to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, the one who was from Nazareth, who grew up in Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene, a man thoroughly accredited by God to you. In other words, the miracles and the wonders and the signs that God did through him, here we go, are common knowledge. He's talking to people who already have an association and an assumption and an intellectual knowledge of who Jesus is. He says, this Jesus, this guy, right? Following the deliberate and well thought out plan of God. There's a whole message there that we're not gonna get to tonight. This Jesus following the deliberate and well thought out plan of God was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands. And he was handed over to you. And then you, watch here, and then you pinned him to a cross and you killed him. So Jesus did all these signs and wonders, all these miracles that everyone knew, and then he was handed over to you. And in the story, we see that the Israelites had a chance to free Jesus. They had a chance to say, do you want this murderer named Barabbas to actually go and find a cross? Or do you want Jesus, the one who's healed people and loved people and been kind to people and changed the world? Do you want to put him in a cross? And they're like, no, 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 crucify Jesus. Yeah, we don't want Jesus. And Peter's like, hey, remember that guy that you killed? Uh-huh, yeah, that's who I'm talking about. This Jesus that you pinned to a cross and you killed went into the ground and he died on the cross. And here's some of the greatest two words you're ever gonna see anywhere in scripture. It says, but God. This Jesus that you killed and he, he, was, he was in the ground, uh-uh. But God untied the death ropes and he raised him up. He raised him from the dead. This has never happened before and it's never happened again. That someone on their own accord three days after they died raised themselves to life because God raised Jesus and Jesus is fully God, raised himself from the dead because death was no match for him. And now he's looking at all the people and they're like, oh yeah, I remember that Jesus guy. Yep, I remember when he was real nice to me and then I killed him. Yeah, uh, that was, can we not talk about this Jesus guy anymore? And he's like, no, 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 listen. And then the way he starts this next one is so key for us. He says, dear friends, 
dear friends. He's telling them what they did wrong. Like, if anything, this guy, these people should be against what he's about to say, but he's like, no, no, come here, listen. This is for all of us. Dear friends, let me be completely frank with you. Like, in other words, let me cut, quit cutting across it. Let me be super clear. This Jesus, God raised him up. This Jesus, God raised him up. And God made him master and Messiah. This Jesus whom you killed on a cross. And what he means by master and Messiah is he's the one who mastered life. He's the one who figured it out. Have you ever struggled in life? Has life ever been difficult for you? Have you ever had a difficult time figuring out what to do in life, where to go in life, or how to do it right? Well, Jesus figured it out. He's the master of it. And Jesus actually says that he's come to show you how to live life to the best. He wants to show you real and eternal life, more and better life than you could ever dream of. It's his offer to you because he's the master of life. He can do that. He has the power to do that, but he's also the Messiah. He's the promised one that all of scripture up to the point of Jesus' life is pointing to because the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. He's the promised one. He's the savior. He's the one who is here to save people when they need saving the most. This Jesus that you killed on a cross. And so now at this moment, all the Israelites are gathered around Peter and he is letting them have it. He's like, hey guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but this is what's true. And they all gather around and they ask a question that I think, that I think is so key because it's what a lot of us ask in moments of new things. I think for a lot of the Israelites listening to Peter, they were experiencing something new. They're like, oh my gosh, the, the veil's been lifted, the curtain's gone, I see clearly now, that's who that was. Whoops, like, yeah, you may need, you, 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 need, you need to figure that one out, right? And they ask this question, they look at him and they're like, all right, that's great, I get it that you've been super clear about who Jesus is. Um, so now what do we do, right? Okay, I don't, oh, that's great, I get it in my head, but so now, now what do we do? And this is a question we ask in the season all the time. Right, we ask, well, what do we do now? Or where am I going? Or how do I, know if I, how do I know if I'm doing this best? And for a lot of you sitting right here, right now tonight, you may be asking the exact same things that the Israelites were asking that day to Peter. He's been completely blunt and frank and clear with us about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. The offer is there. And there may be some of you here tonight that your natural, most next logical question that you're asking is, so what do I do now? This clear, blunt, good news about Jesus. Well, what do I do now? Well, thankfully, Peter loves to be clear. He is Mr. To the Point Peter, and he looks at them, and they're like, all right, you wanna know what to do now? Let me show you. In light of everything you just learned, in light of everything that's available to you, in light of your past and what you've experienced and the difficulty you've had, whatever pain or shame or guilt you walked in here with, no matter what your church experience has been before, no matter what you're currently caught up in, no matter what you did last night, he, Peter looked straight at them and he would look straight at you and he would say, here's what you do now. You change your life. Change your life and turn to God. Change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says this promise 
That if you turn to God for your sins to be forgiven, you'll receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is targeted to you and to your children. And when he's saying that, he means to you, the nation of Israel, that if you were a Jew, if you were listening to Peter in this moment, Jesus showed up as an Israelite, as a Jew, to eventually save them because they were God's chosen people. But it's not just for them. It's literally for you in the room because he says, also to all who are far away. Now that both means physically far away because they weren't Israelites, but it also means spiritually far away from people who don't have God. Jesus showed up and gives this promise that the moment you turn to God and you start following and believing in him, he gives you this, this gift of the Holy Spirit so you can find real and eternal life. It's a promise. You can't escape it. When you choose to do that, you receive this. And the moment you do, he forgives you of your sins. He gives you full life. And it's for every single person who's both here and far away. Whoever, in fact, our master God invites and so for tonight, some of you, tonight's an invitation. It's an invitation to a changed life, like Peter just said. It's an invitation to figure out all of those answers you're trying to find. Because at the end of the day, no matter what discussion or what topic we talk about, if I can be very blunt, very frank, uh, clear and frank with you, Jesus is the answer that you're looking for. Because what he's trying to do is show you how to have a more and better life than you could ever dream of. He's trying to give you a changed life. And this life, let me tell you, it's a full life. It is a changed life that is full of life. Because what you see happen the moment you turn to God is all of your mistakes and all of your failures and all of your darkness and all of your dirty and all of your pain and all of that shame and all of that guilt and all your loneliness, all of those things start to fade away underneath the weight and the reality that you have been forgiven that you are no longer bound and held to your sin, to the things that are rebellion from what God may want for you. You're forgiven from those things. And so now Jesus looks at you and says, I don't see those things anymore. They're as far as the east is from the west. They are polar opposite and they can't be around you anymore because you chose to follow me. So now I look at you and when God looks at you and you follow Jesus, he sees Jesus. So you've been made new. You've been washed clean. You've been made whole. And if we dig down under the surface of everything that you're feeling in life, that's what we all want. We all want to be filled up. We all want to be made whole. It's why we go and search for the things that we do on a computer. It's why we go and run to those substances or to those drinks. It's why we try to fit in with that crowd that we know is really going nowhere. And I think for a lot of you, it's why you showed up tonight because I think there's a stirring inside and you realize there's something more to this life and I wanna figure out how to find it. So what I'm so thankful for is that you can find it in a place like this because here at TLR, we are trying to match what Peter said church is supposed to be all about. It's not a place that you show up to, it's a people you belong to because church was never made to make you feel isolated or ashamed. And if church has ever done that to you in the past, look at me, I'm sorry. If I could apologize on behalf of every single person associated with Jesus who's used his name in an abusive way to you, I'm so sorry, because it's not Jesus. It's a messy person who messed up. The church was never made 
to make you feel isolated or ashamed. It was designed to show you that you belong, that you're not alone, and that you're forgiven. It's designed to show you and remind you of this full life that Jesus offers you. And it's a life that, here's the deal, that the world can never provide. It can't. It can try all that it wants to give you everything that you need, but every single time you search and you seek and you try, what happens so many times in all of our lives, it happened in mine too, is we end up trying to try so hard to get perfect and then we always fail. Or we think that's the thing that we need to fulfill us and then it always leaves us wanting. Name it, no matter what it is. You could have thought that getting into the college you got into was like everything and then you got there and you were like, it's just more school. Crap, you know, like there's just this experience that happens all the time when we think we get what we need, but then we realize it's still leaving us wanting. And the life that Jesus offers you is full life. And that's why the church exists, is to point you to Jesus, to point you to that life that exists. And that's why the church should be so attractive to someone. Not because it's a place, but because of the community because of the belonging, and because of you, because of the people. And we see how attractive church can be whenever it's done right, whenever it's done in the way that Jesus intended, whenever it's done how it was at the start. Because in the book of Acts, at the end of this little section, Peter starts to show us what happened when that church formed and people heard that news and they did what he said, what do we do now? You change your life and you turn to God. And when all the people did that, not alone, but together, something crazy happened. So look, in verse 41, it, began, or it, it kind of continues. It says, that day about 3,000 people took him at his word, were baptized, and were signed up. Guys, that's not a small amount. That's like three times the size of Reinhardt. You know what I mean? And like a tenth of the size of Kennesaw. I get it, okay? Different size schools. 3,000 people in a day said, that's what I want. And they signed up for it. Like, that's the life that I want, so I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get it. They were baptized and they signed up. They committed themselves, and here it is, to the teaching of the apostles, to the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. You wanna know what we do here at TLR? We gather together to learn together from a teaching that is sourced in Jesus. And after we learn together, we're gonna experience life together. We're gonna have small groups. We're gonna have community. We're gonna do things outside of this building. We're gonna have a lot of fun in here. You're gonna get to be in a room with hundreds of other college students raising their hands, screaming at Jesus about how incredible he is. We experience life together. And then this one, praise the Father in heaven that this is part of our experience, the common meal. Guys, we do free dinner for a reason. Why? Because Jesus said to. The common meal that we break bread together, we sit down across a table from each other. I don't even have to know you, but the moment you put food in front of me and I see you in front of me, we're gonna start talking. Why? Because everything about my life is better. Some people, some people eat to live. No, 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 honey, I live to eat. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? That's my world and Jesus said it's okay. That's right. Experience the common meal together. And then the last thing, and they prayed together. Now, when it says they prayed together in this community, it means that they came alongside each other to make each other better. What's going on in my world matters to you. 
But even more than that, what's going on in your world matters to me. And I want to help you get there. And whenever we experience this, whenever you find this, whenever these people found this, no matter where they lived, no matter where they were from, no matter what differences they had, no matter what age they were, no matter what season they were in, they were able to find something that you can find here, a home away from home. Because whether you live at home or not, whether you are on your own or not, whether you have any relationship with your family that you were born into or adopted into or not, in this place, you can find that it's a home away from home because a home is filled with your people. A home is where you belong. A home is where you can find true community. And a home, this home, is where you can encounter this Jesus that Peter talked about, who loves you so much that he gave his life up for you and then he defeated death for you. And so now you may be wondering, like, that's awesome. That's super exciting. But again, that question they asked, I'm gonna ask to you, so now what do I do? Let me show you a few ways that if you're like, I want this to become my home away from home, here are a few ways that you can join in. The very first thing that you can do is you can join a small group. If you join a small group, this is the easiest possible way for you to find that this is a home away from home because what a small group does is it puts you into a group of people that isn't 500 plus being terrified of the fact that I asked you to share a life update. Thank you for the seven brave souls who did that. No, it means you gather together in a room of eight to 12 people that are in the exact same season as you and you say, hey, I don't know everything. Do you? And they're like, no. Like, cool, let's figure it out together. Because then you get a leader to come alongside you to help you live out the life that you truly want to find. So the best thing you can do is join a small group. And our small groups are open right now. They opened last week. They're gonna be open for another week and a half. We want you to join a small group because we believe here at this church and we believe as a part of TLR that your life is far better in circles than it is in rows. So join a small group. Make that really big experience feel super small and super personal. That's how you're gonna get better. Second thing you can do is you can serve at Woodstock City. Now that's not just saying uh, in the church. That even means here at TLR. Holden, my guy who won the dunks tonight, appreciate you for taking, the, taking one for the team. You know, like They didn't want it. I just had to, I, I was being kind. Like, okay, sure. No, but Holden is an example. We have groups of people throughout this room who serve on our host team, who welcome you the moment they walk in the door. And I promise you, if you wanna know what community looks like here at TLR, that team is a community who gets here a little bit early. They help serve everybody and make their experience incredible. But if it's not even here on a Wednesday night at TLR, you're like, no, I just wanna show up for free food and to listen to this bearded guy talk. That's fine, you don't have to. But you can serve at Woodstock City. At the very beginning, I asked how many all serve in Inside Out or in Transit or in Upstreet or in Wombaland. So many of you raised your hands and seven 11-year-olds found Jesus because you decided to serve, because you decided to show up for somebody. How much better would your life have been in middle school or high school if you had someone your age that just made you feel like you belonged, that made you feel special, that walked alongside you as you navigated the terror of middle school and sometimes high school. And maybe you're like, I don't do like puberty, kitten. Nope, not playing that game. Cool. There's children. Go hold babies. Because the moment you hold a baby in Wombaland, you're like, this is daycare. No, it's not. You've just freed up two adults to listen to the truth of Jesus and experience the fullness of church because you 
showed up. So serve. That's a great way to make this your home away from home. Another way, this is super easy, show up. Just show up. Be here on Wednesday nights. Experience the community, what happens in here. Experience the fun of life updates all the time. Because there are sometimes people say things that you're like, there's no possible way that's true. And then I find out later like, oh, he really does own an airplane. Fascinating. This is, how do I become you when I grow up? Like, You start to learn the names and the faces of people and then you realize that whether you're on Kennesaw State's campus or you're at Reinhardt's campus, you're at the Marietta campus or you're at some school down in Atlanta or some school in North Georgia or you're watching online or you're seeing someone throughout the week because it's not just a Wednesday thing, you start to realize that this is my home away from home. Not because of the place, but because whenever I show up, I get to meet the people. And then when you do show up, it's the last thing you can do, bring a friend. Bring somebody invite someone into this. What would it look like if you found that this was your home away from home and the moment you found that, you realized this is what everyone that I know needs. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is to consider what would it look like for you to do one of these things. Any of these things can help you make this a home away from home. Any of these things can help you make this an incredible experience that allows you to get where you want to go. So pick one. But as you consider it, I also wanna invite you into my prayer TLR. Over the summer, I started praying for you. Don't know all of your names? No, but I'd like to. But I've been praying for you and for this night and for this semester. And the specific prayer that I've had that I've even invited some of you into if you were here at our night of worship three weeks ago, this prayer is one that is so much of my heart for you. And for some of you, this prayer is actually for you. Like You're the person who I've been praying for. But for some of you, you may have already found what I've been praying for, and so you get to join me in praying the exact same thing for your friends. That's why it's so important to invite them. And so I'm gonna share my prayer with you, and then I'm gonna pray over you. And then we're gonna keep going for the next few minutes before we have some fun at the end. But here's my prayer for you as you find that this place could be your home away from home, as you find that the living room can become your church family because you do belong here you'd allow this home to become your people. Here's my prayer for you. It's this. Father, would you bring people home to you by making this their home away from home? I've been praying this consistently. I've been praying this hard. And I've been asking that Jesus would move. That he would get a hold of your life and your friends' lives. That you would show up to this place and experience what church actually is. The true community of people coming together to point towards Jesus. So Father, would you bring people home to you by making this their home away from home? My prayer is that you would make this your home away from home also because I'm very excited for where we're going this semester and this year. I'm excited for the small groups that are gonna launch and I'm excited that we get to go after this together. So what I love to do is pray for y'all before we jump back in to one more song. So let me pray for you. Jesus, Thank you. Thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you that you are constantly running after us. And even though some of us may be running so far and so fast after you, you're running that much farther and that much faster to do whatever it takes to bring us to you. You've already done that in the person of Jesus and you're doing it every single day through people like those that are here in this room. 
So Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that if there's anyone in this room who feels isolated and alone, I pray that they'd find community in this place. Father, I pray if there's any single person in this room who feels like they're lost and confused and don't know where to turn, Father, I pray that you would become a compass for them, drawing them back to you. I pray for every single person in this room who's had a a negative experience with church or a difficult experience with you. God, I ask that you would show them your heart for them and that you love them and that you'll do whatever it takes to get them. And Father, ultimately, every single thing that we are navigating in our lives, I find that we would be able to find true community. That's what I pray for here at TLR. So make this our home away from home. And I pray that you would bring people home to you by making this that place. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you loved us first. We love you right back. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.